All right. Now that we got the tough stuff out of the way, um, as you can tell, I am not Edgar Bear, who is printed in your bulletin as the preacher this morning. Um, Edgar, unfortunately, last night called me and told me that he was feeling a little under the weather. And so we thought it would just be best with the short amount of time that we had that uh, he would uh, stay with his family and recover and I would take over doing the sermon. And so uh, he's going to preach sometime soon in the future and we'll be able to hear him then. But today you're stuck with me again. And (laughs) I'm excited to uh, bring the sermon this morning. You know, sometimes as a preacher, when there's the big fanfare of Christmas and the, you know, big crowd of Christmas and all that, uh, there's this sense like, oh, we're just worried about everybody's expectations and that everything would go well. And really, that's because we want you to have a beautiful Christmas. And ultimately, the reason why is because I uh, want to share with you uh, the love and uh, joy of knowing the Lord. And I want that for the people that join us, the people that uh, are friends and relatives, the people that only come to church once a year. And so there's so much that goes into that uh, emotionally. And so there's a real surrendering to the Lord of all that. But on days like today, uh, interestingly, it's a kind of day that I find to be really special uh, because there's a, a sense by which when there's a big crowd that there's a lot to be distracted by, but when it's the core faithful group that has come uh, because it's Sunday and because this is what you've dedicated yourself to do, and I count you if you're online watching <laughs> as well today, um, that, that God can deepen our discipleship, and I think he really honors that faithfulness. And so I just want to say thank you that we can have a worship service this morning because of your faithfulness of being here this Sunday and worshiping with us. And so let me read this morning's text and then we'll dive in. This is from Luke, and don't do the screen because it's different (laughs) than the screen. Um, You guys are just going to have to listen or follow along. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 starting at 15 uh, to 21. And uh, let me just read it to you. It says this. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds, at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Three things that I want us to just think about this morning as we look ahead towards the new year. The first is to take inventory 
of the last year. And then the next is to look ahead what's going to happen in 2022. What, what are the things that uh, we might think or conceive of as what we might face in the next year or what vision we might have for the next year. And then ultimately, what are we going to dedicate ourselves to again this year as we move forward? Well, Dave did a wonderful job of reading Mary's song. And I, I, I talked a little bit about this on Christmas Eve. If you were here, um, these two principles I want to draw out from Luke chapter 2 and what was going on for Mary in this important season and what was really in her heart, the song that was in her heart as she learned the news that she would be the mother of Jesus. And we just read them, so I just want to pull these out again. The first one is that Mary treasured all of these things. And so what we learned from Mary's song is what those things were that she was treasuring. We can go a little bit deeper into that. And the first one that I want us to think about is her expression as she's singing this song. You know, she's realized that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah, the saving one. And one of the lines of her song is to say, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And she's talking about herself. She's talking about this realization that God has seen her. And this recognition was so powerful to her. And I think we can imagine why. I mean, she was a young girl. She was born with no pedigree, wasn't given much recognition, I don't think, in her town or her place. Certainly not historical recognition. And I wonder if it was even on her radar. You know, as she looked ahead towards her life, I don't think any of this was part of the plan, any of what she was expecting. And then all of a sudden, heaven breaks in, and here she is to, to realize that her everyday, ordinary life, actually, God was observing, that God was there and seeing it all seeing these acts of humble service done when nobody was watching. And she was actually in, in the, this faithfulness being cultivated and generated in her innermost being, this strength of spirit and soul and faithfulness that somehow God was doing this work of great preparation when no one was watching her. There's a great saint from the 19th century that lived into this tradition really well. And I've, I've spoken about her before, but this is such a good reminder to me as I think about, you know, what I want to dedicate myself to going forward again. And to think about how did this go last year as well. This is a, a tradition from St. Therese of Lisseau, or she's also known as the Little Flower or the saint of the little way. Now, she also was just a young girl when she became a Carmelite monk, moving into her teenage years. But 
she also had great ambition. She wanted to be used by God, but she didn't know how. And one of the ways she expressed this she is in her writing, she says this, You know, it has ever been my desire to become a saint. But I have always felt in comparing myself with the saints that I am as far removed from them as a grain of sand which, is the pa- which a passerby tramples underfoot is remote from the mountain whose summit is lost in the clouds. And so she felt small, and she, f- she looked at the great heroes of her faith. She saw these saints, like as if they were on the top of mountains she couldn't even see because they were covered in the clouds. And she described herself as just like one little piece of sand being trampled underfoot. But she still set her heart. Her heart was set on becoming a saint. And so she developed a new way, a way she called the little way. And... What she did was she, she stopped trying to do big, grand gestures. And instead, what she did was she just focused on little acts of holiness every single day of her life. What is the small act of kindness that she could do each and every day, small act of service that she could do each and every day? She writes about it in thinking of how a child learns how to walk. And just makes things so practical in our faith to think this way. So let me read this to you. She wrote, um, It makes me think of a little child that is learning to stand, but does not yet know how to walk. In his desire to reach the top of the stairs to find his mother, he lifts his little foot to climb the first step. It is all in vain, and at each renewed effort he falls. Well, be like the little child. Always keep lifting your foot to climb the ladder of holiness. And do not imagine that you can mount even the first step. All God asks of you is goodwill. From the top of the ladder, he looks lovingly upon you. And soon, touched by your faithful efforts, he will himself come down and taking you in his arms will carry you to his kingdom, never again to leave him. I love this beautiful expression that really she learned along the way was that if she was willing to take small acts of faithfulness on the ladder of holiness, this desire to ever grow in her sainthood, in her faithfulness, in her discipleship, that really wouldn't be her that would be able to accomplish it, but God would see these humble offerings and that he would come down the stairs and pick her up and take her where she needs to go. And that's exactly what she did. In fact, she became one of the fastest uh, people in the Catholic Church ever to become saints within the Catholic Church, one of the most recognizable names for this way in which her way could be uh, lived for so many. No longer this big gulf between the heroes and us, but really between small acts of faithfulness, not just in her, but we see this was generated in Mary, and we can think of David and others who, in, in, their, in their obscurity, in the forgotten places, in when no one's looking, their acts of faithful service are being seen by God. And what it teaches them is that 
the praises of man are nothing like the praises of God. And so Mary's heart doesn't, you see in this song, her rejoicing isn't a rejoicing of saying, look, the crowds will love us. We'll be the most popular. We'll be the most affluent. No, her, her joy is not in the crowds or the recognition of other people. Her joy is in the fact that she has learned that God is seeing her and that she's on the right track. And if you've ever had that experience of somehow God giving you this message that you're on the right track, it is a source of great joy to just know that you're being used by God. Henry Nowen uh, wrote some beautiful things speaking to future Christian leaders in his time about what he observed they will need in order to be the kind of leader that Jesus is calling them to be and that the church needs. And he wrote, he wrote this in the name of Jesus. He wrote, The leaders of the future will be those who dare to claim their irrevel- irrelevance in the contemporary world as a divine vocation. Meaning that the leaders of the future are called to irrelevance, not recognition, but to be whatever needs to be, to let God do whatever God needs to do, to seek not popularity or fame, but to seek God's will and mission and plan and recognition. Above all else, to lift the name of Jesus and even disappear one's own name into the name of Jesus. The poet Rainier Rilke, the religious poet, writes it this way. He says, what we choose to fight is so tiny. What fights with us is so great. If only we would let ourselves be dominated as things do by some immense storm, we would become strong too and not need names. You see, so much gets done when we don't care who gets the credit, right? Except for Jesus. That what we do collectively as a whole, as a church, matters so much more than any individual person within the church. What happens in the body of Christ through acts of faithfulness when no one watching is affected within the church. And our health is determined by these little acts, this little way that we're all called to follow that Mary represents so beautifully. Okay, but with all these little acts, we also see that there's this big mission, right? And we've talked a little bit about that, but we see it in what Mary's seeing here in her understanding of what's happening with her and what Jesus will be bring to the world. And so she is talking about principalities and powers, the government, the the big things that are going on in her day, these forces of oppression on her people. And what she is singing about is the great reversal of this power dynamic. She's singing about how when Jesus comes as the king of kings, as the great and high ruler of all things, that what he will do is reverse the power dynamics. That what the great 
and powerful of her time were about was to increase their wealth and to increase the wealth of their households and the, the most powerful to get more powerful, the most wealthy to get more wealthy. But what Mary sees in Jesus and the implications of who Jesus is is that Jesus' attention will be on the hungry bellies, the poor, those who've been forgotten by the rich, those who've been exploited by the rich. And no, the focus of Jesus will be to go towards those who've been left out. The mission of Jesus will be unending until every last person on earth is seen as equal and sitting at the cosmic table, the cosmic feast with God in the way that God sees every person as special and unique and created in his image and desirous that that would be seen by each and every faithful disciple of Jesus. And so she has this, this really radical song in her heart about how things will be changed. And so one of the things we might do heeding what we're talking about here, about Mary's treasure, and then thinking about the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says that where uh, your heart is, there your, no, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, is to just take some inventory. Take some inventory and say, okay, I see what's in Mary's heart. I see what What's in her heart is the joy of being recognized by the Lord. What's in her heart is this exciting mission in the world that, that, that Jesus is going to come and he's going to care for every hurting, vulnerable person. And then we could ask, you know, are, are the things that are in Mary's heart, are, are the things that she treasured, the things that we treasure are these the types of things that get us excited about getting up in the morning and, uh, and living the life that Jesus has called us to live? You know, one of the great joys and ambitions that I have is to share these two qualities with Mary. One of the, the great celebrations that we get to have at this church is each and every time somebody is housed here at St. Andrew's, um, somebody who was formerly homeless, who finds a home somewhere. And over the years, we've now been able to see 86 people that have been able to get a home that were formerly homeless. And, and I don't know about you, but that is the kind of thing that I treasure. Like, I want to see this type of treasure just be continue to be stockpiling up from St. Andrew's. And, and, and not to even mention the countless meals, the countless meals, hundreds and hundreds of meals that have been cooked here to feed hungry bellies. And that's a direct uh, walking in the way of Scripture, living to the tune of this song here at St. Andrew's. As, as Mary says, hungry bellies will be filled because of the church. And, and we get to do that because God has called us to do that. And so we celebrate that and we let that be our treasure. The things that just make us so glad to be Christian and to know God and to know that God is up to something significant through this church. 
Okay, and then just a moment to talk about pondering because we talked about treasure, but it also says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. And I think this is the quality that we can really reflect on looking into the new year because we know that there's going to be pressure that comes when we try and live out the mission of Jesus. If we really apply ourselves in faithfulness to this mission, that there's always challenges that come to the church, that come to us. And one of the ways that Mary deals with the challenges of her mission is to ponder. The, the writer, theologian Ronald Rollheiser really unpacks what in Hebrew, which is the underpinning of the Greek, that Mary is speaking here about the word pondering and what it would have meant to the early listeners. He helps us to understand the connotation here would have been to hold, to carry, and to transform tension, to be able to learn of bad news, of difficult things, of challenges, and to know that whatever energies we do not transform, we will transmit. And so what pondering does is to allow for us to receive bad news, receive difficult things, and to not knee-jerk react to them. But instead to ponder them in our hearts, to receive them, and to do everything we can to do no harm in response. That doesn't mean we don't speak the truth. That doesn't mean we don't work for uh, the things that God has called us to work for. But what it does mean is that there is a way by which we do this. And it's so beautifully represented by Mary as Jesus uh, is in his worst moment on the cross. And, and Mary is there, and she's standing by the cross, and Ronald Rollheiser puts it this way. Uh, as a summary of what might have been going on in her heart, he says this, Today I can't stop the crucifixion. Nobody can. Sometimes darkness will have its hour. But I can stop some of the hatred, bitterness, jealousy, and heartlessness that has caused it. And so our calling is to not add one drop of hatred, bitterness, jealousy, and heartlessness to the world. It's not so much what we say as how we say it that matters. Not so much what we believe as much as it is how we live what we believe that matters. And of course, we learn the scriptures, we know the truth, we dedicate ourselves to this truth, but the way by which we bring this truth should be in the spirit of what we read, the spirit of good news, of great joy for all people to declare this stunning truth and revelation that Jesus is here. So what energies are coming at you in 2022, I don't know. But what I do know is that there are certain ways we can form ourselves. There are certain presence that we can cultivate when no one's watching. That when those difficult things come, we will be ready. We will be more able to find our identity in Jesus 
and move in his way as we practice that when things, there aren't big stakes so that when the big stakes come, we're ready for them. I know I have much to learn in this, so I'm putting it on my vision board in 2022 as well. And finally, the thing that we see that I want to highlight this morning in the final part of our text is uh, that we discover that Jesus is given his name. And this, I think, is where we can dedicate ourselves again. In the name of Jesus, may we dedicate ourselves to the name of Jesus. You know, when John finishes his great gospel, at the very end he writes this, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that by believing you may have life in his name. See, Jesus is at the center of it all. He's at the center of the center of the center. He's at the center of the earth. He's at the center of St. Andrew's. He is at the center of our hearts. He is at the center of the center of the center of all things. And so as we live our life, whether we see it or recognize it or not, that is the source of all of life. This name of Jesus. So even though it's a simple, ordinary name, it is the name that is the name at the center of all things. And so as we work out our faith, as we do our discipleship, may we see that Jesus is the one who's generating this beauty. In Colossians, as we think about doing the little things, we can remember this, that the the name of Jesus is so powerful here. In Colossians 3.17, it says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever you do, doesn't matter, big, small, whatever you're doing, it's done by the name of Jesus. And then finally, in Philippians 2, 8 through 11, we discover the great, grand nature of the name of Jesus. And the beginning and the trajectory of this is a liturgy for the church that It starts in the smallness of Christmas and grows to the grandeur, this cosmic grandeur of the greatest name, the name above all names, which is the story of the church as well. Philippians 2, 8 through 11, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, your name is above every other name. You are high and lifted up. And we put our belief in you. We put our faith in you today again. And declare that our names are not as significant as your name. That we are here to bring you glory. We thank you that 
that by your name we get to have life and life abundant. And so we, we strive to do the little things, the little acts of faithfulness and help us to dedicate ourselves to them again in order that you may be known, that your beauty may be observed, that your goodness may be felt, that your justice may be known, that your peace would come and fill a weary world and that we would know the love of Jesus Christ in our bones so that we might be the people that you want us to be. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Will you stand and receive the benediction this morning? To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore.